Well, good evening again, church. Thank you for being with us. This is a special night together as a church to remember our glorious Christ. If you are joining us for the first time, we are so glad that you are with us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you have been with us as a church for the past few months, you'll know that we have been going through 1 Corinthians. And one of the major themes we've talked about is how the message of the gospel is one that does not make sense to us naturally. The idea of Jesus, the, the Son of God, dying on a lowly cross, that we might be accepted by God apart from anything that we have done. Paul says that, that this is, is foolishness to the world. But in our passage this evening, God says that for those who know Christ, the message of the cross is not foolishness is the power of our salvation. And so tonight we're gonna spend this moment considering together this message of the cross. So read with me in 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses one through five. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you a testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech, my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Their faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is the word of God. Church tonight is Good Friday. And so we're here to remember the night that Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. In the passage that we just read, Paul says that he is resolved to know nothing but this Christ and Christ crucified. And that is our resolve tonight as well. That is, that is why we're here this evening. But consider that statement with me. Christ and Christ crucified. Christ humiliated. Christ suffering. Christ rejected. This is our Savior that those words are spoken about. This is the hero of our faith. This is the one that we look to for all hope in this life. And he was crucified on a cross, humiliated, mocked, broken, bleeding. And in this moment, there's, there's no appearance of, of glory. There's, there's nothing impressive here. The crucified Christ was despised by those who looked upon him. Folly to the world, as Paul says. But church, to us, this moment is our salvation. This moment is the glory and the power of God. And so tonight, I wanna, I wanna consider these, these moments leading up to the death of Christ and to see in them the, the unmatched hope that we have in the gospel. And so I want to do that by considering a few verses from the book of Mark, from the passage that Joel read at first for the scripture reading. These are the moments leading up to the death of Christ, and they, they speak to the very last words that Christ uttered before he died. You don't need to turn there, I'll just, I'll read them for you, a few verses from Mark 15. But this speaks of Christ on the cross. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, 
Eloi, Eloi, lema shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling to Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. So what I want to do this evening is I want to spend time unpacking specifically verse 34 where Christ cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This verse, the verse before this says that, that Christ spoke these words when, when darkness, physical darkness had descended on the land and, and day had suddenly turned to night. It was, it was in this moment that Christ cries out. And the word cry, it it might be better translated as, as scream or, or even shriek. It, it, it's a cry that communicates utter anguish and sorrow. And those hearing Christ in this moment will assume that, that Christ here was utterly broken as screams were coming forth from his mouth. And I want us to consider this, this anguish of Christ tonight and ask ourselves, what is happening in this moment that would cause Christ to cry out these words? In order, in order to understand these words, we, we need to know that in this cry, Christ is quoting scriptures. These words are a direct quote from Psalm 22, which begins in the exact same way. It begins with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the exact phrase that Christ cries out on the cross. He's quoting this psalm. Now Psalm 22 is a, is a psalm of David and the psalm, as you, as you read through it, it's a psalm that speaks of great suffering and, and judgment. It speaks of en- enemies and mocking and death. Listen to some of these descriptions from this psalm. All who see me mock me. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. They divide my garments among me. And for my clothing they cast lots. You lay me in the dust of the earth. Now as you read these verses, we might ask, when did this ever happen to David? These verses are describing death they are describing judgment. And for those who know the New Testament, we will know that these events were events that happened to Christ. And so, so while David, who was, who was guided by the Holy Spirit, would have, would have written this psalm speaking of the depths of the suffering that he was experiencing, ultimately this psalm points towards the even greater sufferings that would one day happen to Christ. And by quoting this psalm, Jesus is saying that the the death and the judgment being spoken of in here refers to what I am experiencing here on this cross. Returning to our passage in Mark, when, when Christ cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember that this is in the moment when, when darkness had suddenly fallen upon the land. And to understand the significance of that, of this darkness, we need to know that, that throughout Scripture, darkness refers to the judgment of God. Again and again in the Old Testament, when, when darkness fell, 
it spoke of the moment when God was bringing judgment. And so, so in verse 33, when it says that darkness had fallen over the land, it speaks of the judgment of God that is over all the world. This moment of Christ on the cross does not make sense unless we are understanding that we and all the world are deserving of God's judgment. Which is uncomfortable for us to think about, right? We don't like thinking about judgment. We don't, we don't like thinking about guilt, especially when, when it is applied to us, right? Con- consider the, the culture of our, of our day. We, we prefer to think of ourselves as deserving good. We love to think of our rights, No one can tell us how we ought to live our lives and and therefore no one can tell us that we are guilty. A great much of the psychology of our day would suggest that that guilt is an unhealthy expression of the human soul. But that's not what we see in God's word. In this moment, as Christ hung on the cross and darkness filled the land, it was a, a declaration from God that judgment was here. And that it was upon the world. That your sins must be paid for. That no one is free from guilt. That we are all deserving of God's wrath. And like, like, like clouds that, that fill up in the sky before a storm pours down rain and thunder. So was darkness present in this moment. As a declaration that we all are guilty that we all are worthy of God's judgment to be poured down upon us. But church, in this moment, the judgment that we deserved fell on Christ instead. And as it did, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This cry out to God as he was being forsaken was the great pain that Christ experienced. It was not the only pain that Christ experienced. The the sufferings of Christ were great and many leading up to the cross. But as we read about so many other of the sufferings of Christ, we, we do not see Christ crying out in this way. Remember when when Judas portrayed Christ and he was arrested in the garden? He told Peter, put away your sword. When he was beaten and mocked and had a crown of thorns driven into his head, he remained silent. When he was nailed to a cross and, and mocked by the onlookers, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. But when he bore the rejection of his father on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of all the sufferings of Christ, this suffering was the greatest. And so we must ask ourselves, why? Why in this moment, above all the other moments, was this such a great anguish for Christ? Well, the reason is that this moment was the moment where Christ was rejected by the one that he loved the most. Church, if we, if we think about a time where, where we may have been rejected or abandoned, I think that all of us can, can remember a time like this in our lives. And, and the thing about abandonment is that it hurts the worst 
the closer we are to that person, right? To, to be rejected by someone that we have known only for a small amount of time or maybe we, we only have a small amount of love for that, that can hurt, but we can often get over that. But, but the, the closer you are to that person, the, the longer you have known them, the more love there is for that person, the greater pain there is in their rejection. But now think about the relationship between Christ and the Father. Theirs had been an eternal relationship. The love between the Father and the Son was unmatched. It was the strongest of loves. It was, it was the love by which all other love in this world is measured. And so the agony that Christ experienced at his Father's abandonment would have been an agony like no other. And it was undeserved. Christ had lived in perfect obedience to his Father. He was righteous, blameless, holy. He had only loved and followed his Father. And yet he was truly abandoned. We know that his abandonment was not an eternal one because Easter is coming. But he was truly forsaken in this moment. And we cannot begin to fathom the depths of that pain. And it's what we deserved, church. Tonight means nothing to us apart from the sober reality that the gospel, or that, that, that the cross that Christ bore was our cross. The death spoken about in Psalm 22, that was the death that we deserved. The darkness of God's judgment and wrath that he poured down should have been poured down on us. We should have been forsaken. But instead, it was Christ who cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so let me finish now by considering the answer to that question. Why did God, the Father, forsake the Son? Church, it was because of his great love for us. The Father forsook Christ that he might embrace us. Christ gave his life for us, dying the death that we deserve, that we might have life with him. It was for us, church. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. Christ lived the life that we could never live. He died the death that we deserved, so that we might know the love of God that we could not earn. Church, do you need assurance tonight that God loves you? Consider Christ and Christ crucified. Do you need hope that your sins can truly be forgiven even tonight? Consider Christ and Christ crucified. Do you need help to see the glory of the gospel? Consider Christ and Christ crucified. 
Do you need reason to rejoice tonight? Consider Christ and Christ crucified. And Sunday's coming, church, and we're going to rejoice. We're going to celebrate in the resurrection of the one who defeated sin and conquered the grave and reigns tonight on his throne. But there is no victory on Sunday apart from the cross tonight. There is no rising from the grave if Christ had not first descended into it. And so we're gonna rejoice on Sunday in Christ resurrected. And tonight we remember Christ crucified. And in his doing so, our debts were paid. Our sins were forgiven. Christ, God, has made us his own. And so let us end as Psalm 22 ends with a declaration that he has done it. Church, would you pray with me?